Welcome to Scrollin', a podcast about the Elder Scrolls Online. I'm Ket, and this is episode number 7-2. So, this is actually the real episode number 7. I made a mistake in the last episode, and, um, well, basically what had happened is I had recorded an episode before that, but I wasn't really happy with how it turned out. Um, so I never, I never made it available to people, but then I, I forgot about that. And so when I recorded the next one, in my mind, it's episode number seven, but as, as far as people who are listening to this, that, that was actually the sixth episode that was made available. Um, so I'm labeling this one seven dash two, just so that I can get back basically as a course correction, get back to the correct numbers for the episode. So next episode will be episode number eight. It actually will be the eighth episode that is available to people. uh, And then we'll be correct from then on forward. So this isn't really, you know, seven dash two seems to imply that maybe it's a sequel to the last episode. Uh, But that's, that's really not the case. Although the last episode we talked mostly about PTS and then this is uh, we'll be talking mostly about the live patch that, you know, resulted from the PTS. So I guess you could think of it as a sequel in a way. Uh, but really, it's just uh, it's really just me correcting my own mistakes as far as the episode numbering goes. So uh, most of the stuff that uh, most of the changes that were proposed in the first week of PTS uh, have actually gone through and have gone live more or less in the state that we talked about uh, in the last episode. Uh, so we won't spend uh, too much time rehashing all of that stuff, but there are some key things that uh, that were changed uh, on PTS since that first week. So we'll definitely uh, touch base on those. Um, and then we'll also touch on um, some of the m- more significant changes maybe that we talked about last time. Uh, now it's been like a week or so since the patch has been live. We've had a chance to feel it out and see how these changes actually feel in practice. Um, so we'll touch on those things and kind of kind of talk about what we're thinking about it uh, now that we've actually had a chance to, to check it out. So before we get into all that, uh, I just want to do a quick run through of uh, some of these quality of life additions that they made. We, again, we already mentioned these last week, but uh, they're actually in the game now. We've got to use them and it's pretty cool. Uh, and just in case you missed it, so uh, we have multi-crafting now. You can... Um, you can do bulk actions at crafting stations now. So now when you visit a crafting station, say you have, you know, 500 uh, ancestor silk, a stack of 500 raw ancestor silk that you want to refine, and you want to refine the whole stack. Well, now you can do that with just one button. You press R to refine, and by default, it'll refine that entire stack unless you change those values. Um, so no more do you have to do just 10 at a time, 10 at a time, 10 at a time. Uh, now it's just one button. It refines all of them instantly. Whatever mats that you got from all that, it shows you instantly what all they are. I'm a big fan of this change. Uh, and also, of course, you know, I craft potions almost every single day. I can just do a one shot of, you know, a 200 stack of potions uh, with one button. Uh, really, really nice. I'm a big fan of multi-crafting. Um, I think this makes console players lives especially uh, a, a lot better but even pc players i mean even the add-ons we had to alleviate this uh were not as good as as this is so I'm, I'm i'm a big fan of this of course there's the new undaunted key uh changes so now you don't unlock chests with undaunted keys anymore now you just go directly to the npcs who gave you the quest to begin with uh, and then they have these various coffers to choose from and we talked about kind of what all the differences between uh those coffers are 
Uh, but long story short, you buy the basic coffer, which is basically equivalent to the old undaunted chest. The same kind of stuff comes in there at the same drop rates. You can also get these special coffers for five keys that's guaranteed to give you a monster set um, of, of only two different options. So, for example, um, you could get uh, the City of Ash 2 coffer, or I'm sorry, the City of Ash coffer, and you would either get the monster set that comes from City of Ash 1 or City of Ash 2. Those are the only two options. You spend five keys to narrow down those possibilities quite a bit. I think that's a really cool change. And there's some other stuff too. You can directly buy style motifs for like 50 keys and stuff like that. Uh, all around, uh, a really nice, um, a really nice change right there. I think. Another big deal now is purchasable skill lines, and this has been, um, you know, maybe a, a topic of debate since this has uh, come up because this is very much pushing that that edge of pay to win. Is this pay to win or not? It's hard to say. Um, so, uh, you know, if you earn a skill line on one character, like you actually grind it out and level it up, then you have the option to purchase that skill line for another character. Um, I think the fact that you have to grind it out at least once in order to do that seems to make it kind of okay to me. I know a lot of people are saying like, well, like in low level PVP, like under 50 battlegrounds and stuff, this could be a nightmare for, for those low level players. Cause you could have a high level player that's just rolling a new tune and they can just spend a bunch of money buying all these skill lines for themselves. Um, you know, and they could be like a level 30 and go to un go into an under 50 battleground and just totally annihilate everyone because none of those people could possibly have access to those skills, especially if they're actually a new player who they really are only level 30 they don't have the option to buy these skill lines because they haven't leveled them up at least once. So in that situation, absolutely, you pay for these skill lines and you have a much higher likelihood of, of winning in those scenarios. So I guess I guess this purchasable skill line purchasable skill lines thing is maybe a bit of a buff for people who like to do a lot of smurfing. <laughs> uh, you know but I don't know. I think maybe the good outweighs the bad outweighs the bad because I have friends that play with me, uh, but they don't have as much free time as I do to put into the game. So whenever they do jump in, I think it's nice for them to have an option to kind of catch up to me quickly. Uh, and they still did have to put in the work at some point in the past, um, which, again, make, makes it seem a little easier to swallow to me. And I'll tell you straightforward, I've already bought uh, the undaunted skill line for one of my characters. I did feel a little dirty doing it, uh, but uh, I just didn't want to do that grind, plain and simple. I had this character that I was really excited about playing. I was really close to having the stats and everything just right, and all I needed was those undaunted passives, and I just really was not feeling that grind. So I spent the money, and I and I bought it. And, you know, nothing bad happened. <laughs> So, uh, so I'm glad it's here. I think in general, I am in favor of this. If they ever make it so that you don't have to actually earn it that, that first time, then that'll be a bad thing. Absolutely. I would be, I would absolutely be opposed to this if that wasn't the case. Um, but as it is right now, you do actually have to put in the work with at least one character. I can get behind it myself. Uh, the skill lines that are available for purchase are uh, the Alliance War skills, uh, Dark Brotherhood, Thieves Guild, Fighters Guild, Ledgermain, Mages Guild, Sigic Order, and Undaunted. And they say that Soul Magic, Vampire, and Werewolf will become available in a future update. Uh, so that's where we're at. And uh, 
the the skill lines that have like full like a full list of active skills like Sigic Order uh, and um, un, and Undaunted and all those those cost three thousand crowns I believe, and then the skill lines that are basically just passives like um, like Dark Brotherhood Thieves Guild uh, those are two thousand crowns a little pricey in my opinion but honestly to be honest I was expecting e- even more than that to be quite I, I expected these to be expensive. Um, so anyway, that's all the quality of life stuff I wanted to go over. There are a few other things, but a little less interesting, uh, I think. These, these, these are the interesting things. Multi-crafting, undaunted keys, purchasable skill lines. Uh, those are kind of the big things there. Uh, is it pay to win? Is it not? It, it is on that border. I think I kind of fall on, I, I am in favor of it. I kind of fall on that side just barely. Uh, but the people who are opposed to this change, I, have, I do have a hard time defending it. You know, I, I see their point of view, absolutely. So of course this DLC is called Scalebreaker. It is a DLC dungeon pack. So we're getting two new dungeons. Um, and of course these being DLC dungeons and them being the newest dungeons, they are uh, probably gonna be quite difficult. I haven't actually gotten in there and done them yet. Uh, I I mostly do PVP and uh, I, don't, I don't do dungeons a lot of the time, but I will get around to doing them eventually. I always do them. I always end up doing them at least once because I want to have that monster helm in my collection um, in case I want to use it for something. And, and one of these monster sets I'm, I'm very interested in. But uh, one thing that this makes me think of, though, is, you know, more and more the list of dungeons that we have to choose from uh you know dlcs are making up a larger portion of that list i mean i think it's like half the list now are dlc dungeons and it it can kind of be a pain point for someone who is just like doing daily randoms they just want to get a daily random knocked out and when you you queue up for a random veteran dungeon and you have you know an equal chance of getting wayrest sewers one or uh, scale collar peak you know which have are vastly different in terms of difficulty you know way rest you can basically solo that pretty much if you're a high level player you can you can pretty much just walk right through it blindfolded by yourself uh, almost it's a very easy dungeon uh, whereas scale collar even with four fairly decent players it's going to take a while to get through and you may not finish it at all you know so very frequently in those dungeons in the dlc dungeons someone gets frustrated and bails and then everyone else is like well i'm not going to wait around for another tank to get queued in or whatever who knows how long that's going to take so everyone else bails Uh, so a lot of the time you end up not finishing uh, that dungeon and a lot of time it's after like an hour's worth of effort and that's when the group gives up and that was all the time you had to do your random you know now you got to go have dinner or whatever um, so that's a frustrating thing. Uh, I wish that they would maybe, I don't know, I, there's a couple of ideas that I have with how, how they could alleviate that. One would just be to put a checkbox on the, on the random queue screen that just says include DLC or not. You know, you can just check it or uncheck it. And that way when you queue for a random, you can choose whether you want those di- more difficult dungeons to be incu- included in that. Um, seems like something they probably wouldn't do because I think that would just end up making DLC dungeons, uh, you know, people would run them a lot less. Um, so it seems like they probably wouldn't be interested in that. I think probably the, the more practical solution is just to maybe bring up the difficulty of some of the vanilla dungeons, um, you know, so they're more comparable to the DLC dungeons, uh, and uh, for, for vet and, and normal, you know, cause as it is right now in normal, 
you know, if you're a high level like max CP player and you get into like a normal DLC dungeon, like like normal scale color peak, of course it's much easier. You're going to be able to get through it no problem, more than likely. But it, there is still some sort of challenge going on there. You you have to you you do at least have to pay attention to what you're doing uh, and and really try to get through it. Um, whereas you know a normal vanilla dungeon. You, you literally, like, you just look in the direction of any enemy and they just drop dead immediately, you know. And if you're in there with uh, with low-level players that are in there, like, trying to, you know, really do something and really have a good time, you you kind of end up feeling like a jerk, you know, because you just kill everything in sight before anyone else can even lay a hand on it. Uh, and, um, you know, I feel like those low-level players are not having a very good time in those situations. So it's a difficult choice for like a high level player to make. Do I want to queue up for a veteran dungeon, take the risk of getting to into a really difficult, frustrating situation? Or do I want to not take that risk? I'll just queue up for a normal dungeon and maybe I'll get a DLC where I'm kind of challenged, but it's still pretty casual. Or I'll get a vanilla normal dungeon where I'm just ruining everyone's good time because you know, I just destroy everything in my path simply by entering the room, more or less. So, I don't know. There's a weird thing going on there. Uh, I don't know exactly what the solution is, but uh, with more and more of that dungeon list being comprised of DLC and there being such a, a big disparity in difficulty between DLCs and vanilla dungeons, you know, it's a pain point there. Uh, and, you know, no matter what you choose, if you want to queue up for a vet or queue up for uh, a normal, uh, Right now, either one has, like, there's neg there's negative things that come with that, you know. So, I hope that's something they look at in the future. I don't know if they will or not, uh, but it's just something that's been on my mind. Uh, so, the names of these new dungeons are Moongrave, Fane, and Lair of Marsalak. We talked about them last time. Uh, it's more dragon stuff. It continues the stories that we've been following along uh, this year with the DLC and the Elsewhere expansion. So it's just going to continue that story on along um, in those dungeons. Uh, there's a bunch of rewards you can get based on achievements, a memento, a combat pet, some titles, a die. Um, honestly, I feel like these the, the achievement awards for this dungeon pack are, are kind of lame. There's no skin. There's no mount. Uh, I don't think there's any costumes or anything like that uh the, the coolest thing it seems to me is a die and i don't know what i don't know what that die looks like yet i haven't seen it um a combat pet a non-combat pet i don't know does anyone get excited about those i don't know maybe if it looks really really cool i guess but um i i never really get excited about the non-combat pets i wish they would make some more interesting uh, uh rewards for for achievements i feel like these dungeon packs bare minimum we need a skin or a mount you know, uh, some, something like that uh, is what people are going to get excited about. No one's going to, or at least not many people, are going to, you know, grind out a difficult achievement to get a, a memento or a non-combat pet. Um, maybe the die. I could see maybe some people really wanting that die. If it's a really cool die, um, I don't know. Of course, there's a bunch of new sets. We talked about them all last time. I'm not going to go through them all again. Um... But I do want to point out that the three out of the six non-monster sets, right? So just take the monster sets out and just look at the normal five-piece sets that come in these dungeons. Um, three of them are focused on dealing damage. And all three of them are dot-focused. 
Um, there are they all proc off of doing dots, or you stack something from dot damage, or something like that. Every one of them are encouraging the player to use dots. And of course, we'll talk about this here in a little bit, but uh, dots have been heavily, heavily buffed this patch as well. Um, and you know, we kind of hypothesized in the last episode if this was maybe the dot patch, right? We're entering a very dot heavy meta. And um, just from this past week of playing the game, the answer is absolutely yes, that is the case. Um, dots have been heavily buffed. We got some new armor sets that also heavily buff dots. Uh, it seems to, I mean, they haven't come out and said this, but it seems to be a conscious decision on the developer's part. They want dots to be more important in combat. Um, for PvE, that's, you know, DPS seems to have gone up. Single target, like boss fight DPS. Uh, is basically people are getting higher numbers than they've ever gotten before, but they're mostly using single target abilities. Uh, in PvP, man, this dot meta is tough to deal with. If you're not a Templar, if you don't have a, uh, a good cleanse to, to cleanse this stuff away, uh, especially with a lot of the changes that, that were made to healing, which we'll talk about a little bit later, it's just hard to outheal these dots uh, a lot of the time. Uh, and so people are really having to adjust in PvP, uh, and really the, the adjustments that they're making for the most part are they're just building themselves more and more tanky. Uh, and, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing players that are tankier than they've ever been. Uh, it was starting to look like maybe we were going to be stepping outside of the tanky meta in PvP this patch. Um, but uh, the opposite is true. The, the tanky meta has been m more reinforced uh, and because... Group healing took such a big nerf this patch, uh, and you know other aspects of healing have been buffed, but overall group AOE healing has been heavily nerfed, um, and so you're not getting all this passive healing power just kind of by accident like you were getting before, uh, and so out healing all these negative effects and dots and stuff is more and more on the individual player's responsibility to, to do that, and oftentimes it's just more than one person can do. If you don't have a dedicated healer to help you through that, then... You know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough if you're not a Templar. Uh, and that's one of the reasons. That, I mean, uh, there's a few reasons, but that's one of the reasons Templar are so uh, popular right now. If you've done any PvP whatsoever, I'm sure you've seen a massive uptick in the number of Magicka Templars you're seeing right now. Um, one big reason is because they have that on-demand, really powerful cleanse, uh, which... That alone really sets them above the rest in this uh, this dot-heavy meta. Uh, they're basically, you know, one of the only people left that can really go glass cannon and still survive long enough to, to really be engaged with a fight uh, over a long period of time. Uh, on top of that, they've just recently, over the past couple of patches, have gotten some pretty significant changes that really do make them quite deadly. I think Templar, Magicka Templar, is... The, ma the meta class for PvP right now. They're they're really tearing it up. And I mean, I, I've been maining a Stamina Templar here lately. That feels really good too. They still have access to that cleanse and it works really, really well. Uh, but I feel like the, the overall damage output isn't quite what a Magicka Templar is pulling off. Um, still a lot of fun. Uh, if you're having a hard time in PvP this patch, if you're having a hard time uh, dealing with the dots... Get a Templar leveled up, Magicka or Stamina, uh, and you'll immediately start having a much, much better time. So there's a bunch of new armor sets that come in these new dungeons. We talked about them all in the last episode. I don't think anything has changed with any of these. They're all 
pretty much exactly as they are when we talked about them last time. So I'm just going to skip over those. Uh, I will reiterate that I am looking forward to um, the Marsalok monster mask, I think it was. Oh, Grundwolf, Grundwolf. Uh, so whenever you deal critical damage, restore 1,000 Magicka or Stamina, whichever is higher, and then you gain 500 of the other resource. It can be an amazing uh, sustain set for either a Magicka or Stamina build. I'm definitely going to be doing this Moongrave Fane dungeon at least once just to get my hands uh, on that mask because I'm very interested in that. Uh, I could see that working on a number of different builds really, really well. Uh, the rest, I'm really not interested in. I definitely see a lot of these sets looking really powerful. A lot of these dot-focused sets seem super-duper strong. Um, but uh, honestly, I think for the most part, it's not going to be worth the grind for me. And I have other sets that, that get the job done for me, honestly. Um, so I'll probably just leave those alone. But I do want that one that one monster set for sure. As far as old sets go, uh, Elemental Succession was reworked uh, a bit since the last time we talked. So the last time we talked, you know, it was already buffed a bit. Um, so uh, while you're in combat, uh, yeah, whenever whenever you deal Flame Shock or Frost damage, you gain 550 uh, spell damage uh, for that element for four seconds. Uh, and and then the last time we talked, that had an eight second cooldown. So it lasts for four seconds, and you have to wait another four seconds before it can happen again. Now it has a four-second cooldown. So basically, you can have a 100% uptime on that elemental damage type um, pretty darn easily. Uh, and this effect can occur every four seconds per element, and you can have multiple elemental buffs active simultaneously. I think that's a really, really cool thing about it, too. A lot of Magicka builds, you know, like to use a Lightning Staff on the back bar for AoE damage and a, and a Flame Staff on the front bar for single target damage. Um, that's a pretty popular uh, Magicka DPS setup. And this set right here is going to buff both of those damage types. If you rotate, if you do your rotation right, it's going to be a 100% uptime on that 550 spell damage to both of those damage types. Um, seems pretty cool, and it's just a very flexible set. You know, you can use this on a fire mage, you could use this on a lightning mage, you can use this on a frost mage, or you could also use it on some build that is using all three of those damage types. Uh, and easily get a 100% uptime on that 550 spell damage for all three of those damage types. It's a very flexible set that can be used on a lot of different classes, a lot of different kinds of builds, um, and it's really strong. 550 spell damage. I mean, I've already seen people talking about replacing Burning Spellweave on their Dragon Knight uh, with this set uh, because it's just easier to have that, that constant uptime, and they're actually seeing a DPS increase, which... You know, usurping Burning Spellweave as the Mag DK set, that's that's really something, I think. Uh, that, that set's been a staple for DKs for quite a while. Um, of course, 7th Legion, Veiled Heritance, Ravager, they were all nerfed a bit. 7th uh, Legion and Ravager are still totally usable. They're just different than they were before. Uh, but Veiled Heritance is basically just, just throw it in the dumpster now. Uh, now you have to interrupt an enemy to gain a 400 weapon damage buff for 15 seconds. And really, you know, how often are you interrupting enemies, really? Even, in PvE or PvP, right? Hard, hardly ever. Um, you know, w once in a great while. So once in a great while, you'll get a 400 uh, weapon damage increase for 15 seconds. Uh, 
such a shame. This was a very popular set that a lot of people were using. I really wish they had nerfed this. It needed to be nerfed for sure, but I wish they had nerfed it in a different way because now it went from being a very popular set to being like bottom tier, like garbage set that nobody will ever use. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone will prove me wrong, but I don't think so. Veiled Heritance uh, is, is out. Uh, they didn't make this change on the first week, so we didn't talk about it on the last episode, but um, Pirate Skeleton has been dramatically nerfed. And I think most people are feeling pretty good about this change. I think most forum conversations that I've seen are in favor of this change. You're saying this this needed to happen. Pirate Skeleton is too strong. Um, so they reduced the duration uh, from this proc to 10 seconds instead of 12 seconds. And the cooldown is now 20 seconds instead of 5 seconds. Oops, I meant 20 seconds instead of 15 seconds. So now you're going to have a, a maximum of 50% uptime on this. Whereas before, you only had 3 seconds of downtime in the past. Uh, and the minor defile that it gives you is now major defile. So you, you can only get a 50% uptime out of it, and you're going to have major defile while it's active as well. Uh, it's a pretty major, uh, pretty major nerf. Although I still have seen a few people wearing it, but I, it does seem less effective, uh, absolutely, than it did before. Um, you know, it's time. It's time in the sun is over. This has been a, like a meta PvP set for a lot of people for a really long time, uh, and I think now it's it's not totally useless. It's not like. Uh, um, Veiled Heritance, where it's just garbage now. I don't think that's the case for this set. Uh, I think it's just going to be less popular, and probably only certain types of builds are going to really be able to make good use out of it, rather than just literally everyone wearing this set because it's too good not to use. Um, so I think that's a good change. This allowed like glass cannons to be super tanky, uh, and you know I don't I just don't think that's fair. You should have to choose between having a lot of damage or being really tanky, and this one set basically allowed you to have both. And, and on that note, as far as you know, being tanky versus not being tanky, they've also nerfed the protective jewelry trait. Uh, so now the protective jewelry trait will give you 1190 physical and spell resistance instead of 1844. So quite a bit less there. And this is another thing that I've mostly seen positive reactions to for the same reason as Pirate Skeleton. This is, uh, this is something that would allow a pure glass cannon build. They just make their jewelry prote protective and then they have quite a lot of resistance while still benefiting from all their light armor passives and all that sort of stuff. Um, again, it just seemed too good, uh, and it made it so that uh, a lot of builds really weren't having to sacrifice anything. You could really just kind of have it all uh, and, and be just about unstoppable. So I think that's a good change. This isn't a trait that I ever use. I really I don't like making really tanky characters. I, I, prefer, I prefer more of a glass cannon playstyle, and I would... You know, I usually go for more of like infused or swift or maybe even arcane or robust. Um, I really never mess with protective. But I also mostly do non-CP and I feel like resistance is less of a big deal there just because people are, are not doing quite as much damage. So 
So that's basically all there is. All, all that I, I wanted to talk about as far as um, changes to armor sets and that kind of stuff. We're gonna I'm gonna take a quick break, and then when I come back, we're gonna talk about uh, some of the combat changes. Again, most of them we already talked about last time, so we won't spend too much time rehashing all that. Uh, but there were some new changes made since then, and I do want to touch on some of the stuff that we did talk about last week now that we've had a chance to actually play with these changes um, and, and just share some thoughts and what we've, uh, what we've been experiencing this past week. Um, so I'll be right back. Alright, so let's get into some of these combat changes. As I said before, we already covered most of them uh, in the... Um, in the last episode, so definitely check that out if you haven't already. But some changes have been made since then, and so we'll definitely touch on those. Um, but first, just a, a quick recap. Um, AoE dots across the board have been heavily nerfed. Um, in general, when you compare an AoE dot to a single target dot, you'll find that the AoE dot uh, will cost 33% more and do 33% less damage compared to the single target dot. Um, and that's that's basically every skill that falls in this category. So we're talking uh, Wall of Elements, Volley, Caltrops, Lightning Splash, Spear Shards, Twisting Path, Winter's Revenge, uh, the DK's Ash Cloud. Uh, I don't know if I'm leaving anything out, but all of those skills, anything that's like that ground-targeted AoE dot type of skill, 33% um, less damage and 33% more cost than a single target dot is what you're going to find. Uh, I also want to reiterate that it's only dots. It's not like AoE burst attacks. So like the Warden sub-assault isn't affected, uh, stuff like that. Uh, also, um, ultimates are not affected as well. So uh, the Destro Staff um, ultimate, for example, that's an AoE dot, but it's an ultimate. So it's a different category of skill. It did not receive this treatment. It wasn't, wasn't changed at all. Uh, so don't worry about those. Those are still super strong skills. Um, from a PvP perspective, this is one of the best changes that has been made in a very long time. Um, you know, especially if you play a melee character uh, in like a battleground and you want to engage in a fight, up to this point, you, you really have no choice. You're just going to have to stand in a bunch of crap that's like constantly slowing you down and immobilizing you and passively damaging you all the time and you really just have no choice but to just stand right in it if you want to engage in the fight at all uh, it's really frustrating and it it really reduces the amount of fun uh, that, that a lot of people are having there um, so just the fact that they're so much weaker now and they cost so much more people are kind of being discouraged from using them and already you know I've been doing a lot of deathmatch this week uh, and I can already tell you that there's not nearly as much AoE on the ground as there used to be. Um, it's all been replaced with single target dots. That, and that's, like we said before, this is uh, the single target dot meta, absolutely. Um, and that's another difficult thing to deal with, you know, in, in a different way. But uh, I think I would take this single, dot, this single dot meta over having a lot of AoE like we had before. Because at least with the single target dots, a player has to actually look at you and intentionally hit you with the ability. Um, whereas with the AoE stuff, people are just kind of mindlessly throw all this junk on the ground. And, you know, they're not even aware if you're around them or not. They're just kind of passively hitting everyone with this stuff. Uh, and it's, it's just annoying. And it makes the fight so much less enjoyable. 
So yeah, dots are the single target dots are really really strong. Maybe maybe a little too strong, um, but I think the fact that there's intentionality behind it that someone has to purposefully cast that ability on you uh, is an improvement from just having all this passive AOE garbage around you all the time. Uh, so I would take this new dot meta over what we had before, absolutely. Even though it's it's a lot to deal with, uh, I think people are still adjusting, and I think it's in general a positive change, and and hopefully these these single target dots maybe will be toned down a little bit in the future, or will be given some some way to mitigate that a little better. Um, I really don't know. If not, I think Tiplar is just going to continue to reign supreme, honestly. Um, of course, there's a lot of changes made to healing. Uh, for the most part, it's kind of getting similar treatment to what uh, dots are getting. Uh, group healing or AOE healing has been seriously nerfed. Um, and single target or selfish healing is either about where it was before or in some cases uh, buffed a bit. Um, the, the key changes, the, the key nerfs to, to group healing have been the changes to healing springs and vigor. Uh, those are the two main skills that um, that were making groups so very unkillable before. Uh, and we talked about those changes last time, and they've been tweaked a little bit since then, uh, but they're still more or less in the same shape they were in uh, on that first week of PTS. Healing Springs is now a 8-second long, non-stackable heal over time, and it's, it's quite a bit weaker than it was before as well. Uh, and then Vigor now... You have to choose between uh, an AOE morph or a single target morph that only hits yourself. Um, and the AOE morph is a lot weaker than it used to be. Uh, way, way weaker. So if you're choosing that, then you're not going to be getting that nice, strong, vigor heal that you're used to having. Um, and so what's happening is most people are choosing the resolving vigor morph, the selfish single target morph. Um, and that's having a huge impact on just how uh, survivable teams are. Um, and in, in battlegrounds, you know, in, in high MMR battlegrounds, you know, before a lot of the time you would run into these teams that are just unkillable. You know, there's just so much group healing going on that you can't, you can't scratch them whatsoever. Um, and sometimes it's because they have a dedicated healer, but oftentimes there's no healer in sight it's just four stamina damage dealers all splashing each other with vigor you have this four stack of vigor ticking on people at all times you know that's like eight to ten thousand healing per second that every member of that team is getting throughout the entire fight you know even without a healer that's that's way too much healing to 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 get through you're not going to be able to kill those guys um you're not seeing teams like that anymore most people are choosing the single target version of Vigor, which means they're not splashing their teammates uh, with this passive healing all the time. Everyone is kind of more responsible for keeping themselves alive. And if the people, if there are people choosing the AOE morph, which honestly I haven't seen any, um, but if they do choose that morph, it's way weaker than it used to be. So even then, I think it's still going to be easier than it was before uh, to kill people um, in these in these high MMR matches. Uh, it, it's it was frustrating. This is a good change because it's it's so frustrating when you know I'll be built as a complete glass cannon. I'm stacking my weapon damage to the sky, uh, and I'll lay everything I have into someone, and like their their health bar will barely fluctuate at all because their whole team is just passively healing each other uh, without even really meaning to. Um, 
So positive change, uh, kind of like with dots, you know, healing has to be more intentional uh, and there's a lot more value in having an actual dedicated healer in the group now as well. Um, as far as the total amount of healing that is possible, you know, I don't know if healing was really nerfed in general this patch. I mean, there's still a lot of healing going on. You look at the scoreboard at the end of a deathmatch, I'm still seeing healers pull a million heals, 1.5 million heals. You're even seeing people push 2 million heals in a match. Um, healing is still very, very strong, uh, and the numbers seem to be about where they were before this patch, uh, at least in deathmatch. Can't speak too much to PvE. I haven't really been doing a lot of uh, PvE stuff uh, lately, but it, at least in PvP, healing still seems to be very, very strong, probably about as strong as it was before. It's just kind of being concentrated in different areas uh, and distributed a little bit more evenly uh, is a good change. In PvP, no question, this is absolutely a good change. Um, in PvE, I guess I can't speak to that too much just because I don't do a ton of PvE these days, but as we talked about in the last episode, I have done a ton of PvE in the past, and something that I do know is uh, a lot of what healers do is help the group cheese mechanics and skip mechanics in boss fights um, and I think that's been going on for so long that now we think like that's the right way to do it if I can't cheese through this boss mechanic then you know I'm not doing a good job um, and you know I think we just have to rethink it now we're just gonna have to observe mechanics once in a while uh, I think probably a good healer probably still can help a group cheese through mechanics, but they're not just going to be able to rely on one single button healing springs uh, to do that. Um, there's going to have to be a little bit more skill and intentionality behind it. Um, I think it's a good thing, and like we said last time, uh, if it gets to a point, if it looks like there's content that people can't get through because the healing isn't strong enough, that content can always be rebalanced. That's, that's going to be an easy change to make in a future update. Um, but so far, I haven't, I haven't heard anyone complain about any situations like that where, like, oh no, suddenly no one can get through this boss fight because the heals aren't strong enough. Uh, you know, I'm in a few pretty large guilds. I'm pretty active in guild chat, and I haven't seen anyone say anything like that this whole week. So I think healing's probably still in in a pretty okay place, and. Uh, the changes to Vigor, the fact that the single target Vigor, um, you know, no longer hits people around you. Uh, I think that one change alone uh, has made healers more needed in dungeons. Um, just because, you know, people aren't splashing each other with passive Vigor casts all the time. So, uh, I haven't experienced that myself. I haven't, like I said, I haven't been doing any dungeons lately, but... It just seems like that would be the case. I don't know. Maybe someone can email me, ketsparrowhawk at gmail.com, uh, if you want to give me some insight into what's going on in PvE. Uh, but like I said, I haven't seen any complaints, and as far as like what I'm reading on the page here, it seems like everything's probably going to be just fine, uh, and healers are more needed than ever, that's what it seems like. Uh, more changes. Off balance is now seven seconds instead of five seconds. Uh, bleeds will now observe your physical resistance. Uh, and uh, here's a big one. A lot of PvP people have been discussing this, debating this quite a bit. Um, new cast times on ultimates. So Deathstroke, Dawnbreaker, Berserker Strike, 
All of those ultimates and their morphs now have a 400 millisecond cast time. Uh, and then Soul Shred and Lacerate have a 500 millisecond cast time. I'm not sure why that's different. But um, they say that the reason that they wanted to do this was to make the damage that gets applied actually line up with the animation of the ultimate. And I think that's an important thing to point out here is the animation hasn't changed at all. The animation isn't any longer than it used to be. It's the exact same animation for these skills as it's always been. Um, the difference now is you, you can no longer cancel that animation and still get the damage out of it. Uh, if you cancel the animation, you also cancel the ultimate. and You get the ultimate points back and you can cast it again later if you want to. Um, and that's the thing that a lot of PvPers are complaining about, getting rid of the animation canceling for these ultimates. They say that this is an example of the game getting dumbed down and catering to, you know, lower skilled players. I don't know, maybe that's an element to it, perhaps, but I just can't help but think that this, this is a good change. Um, you know, and I am a big fan of animation canceling. I absolutely use it all the time. Uh, I think it's a good thing, and I think the devs are a fan of animation canceling and want to keep it in the game. But for these skills right here, for these ultimate abilities, it's just unfair to be able to uh, to cancel out of these animations, especially like Berserker Strike, like the onslaught morph of that. That animation is already not obvious. Uh, it doesn't really look like an ultimate at all but it hits super duper hard. And if someone cancels the animation, then you just didn't see it happen at all. You just took like 16K damage, right? Like a giant chunk of your health bar is suddenly missing. And even if the person that hit you with it is standing right in front of you, you didn't even see the attack happen. Uh, you, you had, there was no opportunity to avoid that, that massive hit uh, because you had, you, you literally couldn't see it. Uh, so I just I don't see how there could be an argument in favor of keeping that being the case You know when you can hit someone with like basically a guaranteed execute button uh, and they have Zero opportunity to counter it whatsoever because it's literally invisible um, So I don't know. I think it's an absolutely good change and Now the damage actually applies when the animation looks like it gets applied like in the case of Dawnbreaker, you know, the animation, you raise this giant glowing sword up in the air and then you slam it down on the ground. Well, now that moment that it slams down on the ground, that's when the actual uh, damage gets applied is when it when it looks like it's getting applied is when it gets applied rather than a few milliseconds before it gets applied. Uh, and then you can cancel the animation and the person on the receiving end doesn't even know what the heck just happened until they look at the recap screen. So, I don't know. I Like I said, I'm a big fan of animation canceling, and I don't think the devs are trying to get rid of it, but I do think for, for these ultimates, it seems fair to me, uh, and I think it's fine. Um, so now you're just going to want to make sure your targets are CC'd before you cast one of these ultimates on them. And I think that's how it should be anyway. Just hit them with some sort of CC ability, and then while they're stunned, you have, you have them sitting nice and still, so you can pop them with your onslaught or whatever else. Um doesn't seem like a big deal to me uh, I think I think it's a favorable change and trust me this whole week I've been getting hit with onslaughts like crazy onslaught is a very popular ultimate now because of how it was changed this patch uh, a lot of people are using it and I've been hit with it a lot cast time or no um, so I don't know I think that's gonna be all right
So let's revisit some of these uh, weapon ability changes. The two-hander we were just talking about, Onslaught, uh, the morph of Berserker Strike. Uh, just a quick reminder what it does now. So instead, what it used to be was if if you use this as a killing blow, this was like the actual skill that you used to, to be the killing blow on someone, then it immediately refunds the cost of the ultimate. Uh, so you get it right back and you can turn around and use it immediately again if you want to. Uh, which is very strong. Um, but now what it does is uh, it converts the amount of resistance ignored into penetration for 12 seconds. If you've never used this ability, uh, Onslaught, what it does is uh, you know it hits for a freaking ton. It hits. It's one of the hardest hitting ultimates in the game. Um, and one of the things that makes it so special is it completely ignores your enemy's uh, resistance. So, you know, let's say you have a, like a 16,000 tooltip on your onslaught. You hit somebody with it, no matter how tanky they are, no matter what kind of armor they have on or whatever, uh, they're taking 16,000 damage from that ability. They're taking every single point of that tooltip uh, directly. Um, and then now with this new version, however much resistance they had, however much was ignored by this ability, you now have that much penetration against them for 12 seconds, um, which is outrageous. That means you have 100% penetration. So no, no, not only does Onslaught ignore their resistance, but all the rest of your attacks against them for the next 12 seconds also ignore all of their resistance pretty wild pretty darn wild uh, so it's went from being basically an ultimate that you would want to use as an execute right because before it gave you if, it, if you executed someone with it it gave you the ultimate cost back so you, you would use it at the end of a fight basically now you're going to want to use it at the beginning of a fight right it's going to be probably the first thing you want to hit somebody with so now now they have a bunch of health missing plus you have 100 percent penetration against them for for the basically the duration of the fight because 12, 12 seconds is a very long time, and if you if they have basically have zero armor against you, then it's it's not going to last nearly that long. It's going to be be over really fast. This is an extremely strong uh, ultimate. I see basically everyone using this. I even see Magicka builds in in no CP PvP. I, I've even seen some Magicka players using this as well. Uh, it's this is basically the new hotness for pvp ultimates right now if you're not using onslaught especially if you're a stamina uh, melee character you got to get on that uh your uh, your kill count will immediately skyrocket as soon as you slot this skill i promise uh, i do think they need to nerf it a bit i think it's a little too strong right now maybe at least make that 12 second like you know you ignore the resistance for 12 seconds maybe bring that down to more like eight seconds or even less uh, I don't know, that seems like a really long duration for, for an enemy to basically be fighting you naked, more or less. Um, so yeah, I, I, I expect them to maybe take another look at that in the future, but we'll see. Uh, the new Stampede, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this change, especially on my Stam DK. This has been really, really nice. Um, so now Stampede, when you it's, you know, it's a gap closer ability. And when you hit somebody with it, before it would snare them, it would, would, would reduce their movement speed. Uh, now, instead of that, uh, it no longer does that, but what it does is it places uh, an AoE dot on the ground underneath them. Uh, and it's a pretty strong dot. I mean, it's like, I think my tooltip on my stam decay, it's like 1,000 damage per second, which is not bad for a an AoE dot, this patch, that's pretty darn strong. Um, 
And what I do, like what my stamp DK does, is I'll use that uh, gap closer and hit somebody, and then I'll immediately fossilize them. It's like the very first thing I do after I use that gap closer is fossilize. Uh, and so now I'm using that gap closer. It puts that dot right underneath them, and then I fossilize them directly on top of that dot. So they're stuck there on top of it for a minute. They're taking that damage no matter what, plus I'm laying all the rest of my damage into them while they're stuck there as well. Uh, it's really, really effective. I really, I really like it a lot. Uh, plus that character, I use a couple of proc sets on her. I have um, Vulcan Scoria, which procs off of dots. So that's just another dot that I have in my toolkit that's more chances for Vulcan to proc. Um, and another set I'm wearing is Red Mountain, which procs off of weapon damage ability or uh, weapon abilities. Uh, and so since this is a dot coming from a weapon ability, then each tick of that dot is also another chance to proc uh, Red Mountain as well. Plus the dot itself is dealing damage, so all around, just this one change, this one ability has buffed my uh, stab DK quite a bit. I'm a really, really big fan of this change. And Rally, Rally was one that I was skeptical of. So Rally no longer gives you a heal over time, um, but uh, what it does do is they uh, they change the scaling of the burst heal so that basically you have a better chance of getting a good heal out of it earlier, right? You don't have to wait so long before it actually amounts to a halfway decent heal. If you cast Rally and then you cast a second time, say like five or six seconds later because you, you need a burst heal, well, there's a good chance that that's actually going to be a pretty strong heal uh, right, right then and there rather than having to wait, you know, 15 seconds or more for it to even be an okay heal. So they, they've adjusted that scaling, and I like that quite a bit. And... With, with that change, plus the changes to Vigor, I really don't notice that um, that heal over time missing at all. Uh, it really doesn't seem like a big deal to me. Uh, they've also added Minor Endurance to this ability, uh, which is uh, a buff to some of my characters, not to others. Some of my characters already have Minor Endurance. Um, but again, my Stam DK, this is not a buff uh, that that character had in their kit, and uh, now it is there. Without having to change anything about the character at all, they now have better stamina recovery than, than they had last week. So uh, all around, these changes to, uh, to the two-hander skills have buffed my Stam DK considerably. I'm pretty happy about that. One hand and shield, really not much interesting has happened there since the last time we talked. Uh, everything is about uh, the same as it was that first week of PTS. Um, they have some cool new options for playing more offensively, um, but they still feel very, very tanky. I think they did a pretty good job with one hand and shield uh, for making it like an actual, like it could be used as an offensive skill line. Uh, while still having a very defensive kind of play style. But it seems pretty cool. Uh, I've been seeing some of the new Power Slam and Reverberating Bash. I've seen a few people use that, but it hasn't really caught on yet. But those abilities seem really, really strong. So, you know, it's only been a week. I wonder, as people continue to experiment over the coming weeks, if we'll start seeing more and more of that on these, on these tanky builds we've been seeing here lately. Because it seems like there is some really cool potential there with those skills. Uh, dual wield, same sort of deal. Not a lot has changed with dual wield since our last conversation. Um, I do just want to say that the hidden dagger change seems weird. Uh, this was already an ability that not many people were using, and I feel like literally zero people are using it now. Uh, I can see it being useful 
in like certain boss fights, there are certain boss fights with mechanic with like important interrupt mechanics, and you need to be able to interrupt something quickly, or it's going to be bad news. And a lot of times you have to be able to do that at range as well. So I could see this being a skill where it's like, okay, guys, we're fighting this boss. It has this mechanic. Everybody slot and interrupt, you know. Um, so I, I could see it being used situationally like that, but absolutely not. I've, I think it's probably unlikely that it's going to be a skill that's just on people's bars all the time. I think they're just going to slot it in situations where they need it, and probably most of the time otherwise they're not going to use it at all. I wish that the, the gap closer morph was not the weird like two-step where you have to activate it a second time to close that gap. I think if they just straight up made it a normal gap closer, that, that would be better. That would actually be a good reason to use this skill in that case, at least in PvP. Um, so I don't know, maybe that could be a simple change that they make in the future. Just make that, that one morph, just make it an instant gap closer, and like instantly this will become a, a, like a, a skill that makes sense again, I think. With the bow, I think the most interesting change here is that Draining Shot now has a 22 meter range instead of a 28 meter range. Uh, and then also a Destructive uh, destructive Reach from the Destro uh, staff, um, the changes to that ability as well. Um, the only morph of that skill that still CCs is now uh, 15 meters long. I, I am seeing less uh, draining shot spam, which uh, does make me happy <laughs> because it, they have a little bit harder time reaching me with it. Uh, but still, that's still 22 meters, whereas uh, Destructive Clench is 15 meters. And so if you're not a Templar and you're a Magicka player, the only ranged CC, the ranged hard CC ability you have access to is 15 meters long. Oh, I forgot about the Warden ability, Arctic Blast. That is a 28-meter stun uh, that still exists in the game. I, I would expect, I would think they would put it at least 22 meters to match Draining Shot. Um, you know, especially like if you're a, a squishy Magicka player, you know, 15 meters is pretty close. You have to be pretty close to your enemy to do to use that. So, I think for most players, this isn't gonna be an ability that they use as part of their com their normal combo anymore. It's probably gonna be more like trying to relieve pressure. Like someone's like applying a lot of pressure to you, and you just need to get them off of you for a second. Um, you can hit them with uh, destructive clench to CC them and maybe reposition yourself uh, to to have a better chance in the fight. Probably not gonna be something that many people use as part of their actual combo, except. Uh, I could see Magicka Dragon Knights making good use out of it because they're, they're already in close range. All of their abilities are close range abilities. So for a, for a DK, I think they probably won't even really hardly notice the change at all. Um, you know, aside from the fact that it doesn't apply a dot anymore. I don't know. I wish they would <clears throat> reverse this change. Make Destructive Reach the, uh, the one that uh, does CC but doesn't have a dot. So that's a 28 meter long CC but not a dot. And then make Destructive Clench the one that's a dot. You have to be in 15 meter range to, to apply it. You know, you're probably already in that range anyway. Like if you're using this for the dot, you're probably using it for PvE purposes. And uh, you're probably already within 15 meters because you have to be that close uh, to apply Wall of Elements, for example. Um, it just seems like it'd make more sense for them to, to flip that. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe they have very, very good reasons for, for doing this. But I really feel this. Pretty much all of my Magicka characters use this ability. But 
actually they don't anymore not this patch because uh, that 15 meter range is way too close uh, for it to really be useful um, except for MagDK uh, but again like MagDK is not going to use it either because they have fossilized right so uh, and that also amounts to a major nerf to the master staff, right? Because this this ability is what the master staff affects, and the whole the whole reason people even want the master staff is so that they can spam destructive reach, a, a strong ranged CC ability, um, you know, and actually get good damage out of it as well, and have that cost reduction. So it actually is a good spammable. But now, you know. People, are, people aren't going to want to use the master staff just to apply a dot over and over and over again. Uh, so the only reason to use it still is to spam a range CC ability. But now that, that ability only reaches 15 meters. That's a major nerf to the master staff, um, which is a major nerf to a lot of builds. My Magicka Sorcerer has been using, has been using a master staff setup for quite a while. Uh, and I just unequipped it. I just I just put my master staff in the bank, and it's probably just going to hang out there a while, and until maybe hopefully some other change is made later to make it good again. But right now, for me, it's really not worth using. Uh, Resto staff they made some uh, adjustments to regeneration and healing ward. Uh, so mutagen now uh, it's no longer called mutagen. It's now called radiating regeneration. And it hits three targets instead of one, which is exactly what people were asking for. Uh, I think regeneration, um, you know, over during PTS, it was looking really good. The one thing people were saying was, man, if it if it just hit more than one target, we're going to be happy with this. The fact that it could only hit one target at a time was scary uh, because you just you have so little control over who it hits. Uh, now you have the the rapid regeneration morph that's still the case it only hits one player but it's so strong that maybe that seems fair um, uh, and then the radiating regeneration um, is more of kind of the the normal old heal over time that, that we're used to having although it is stronger than it used to be uh, and it hits three players solid change uh, and then healing ward it changed healing ward to where it's actually maybe worth using again uh, after all this time uh, so now when you cast Healing Ward, it, give, it gives you a heal over time equal to 33% of the shield strength. Um, and in my experience, you basically have to be near death for that to amount to a decent heal. Because you know Healing Ward, the, the size of the shield increases based on how much health you're missing. Uh, and the only way to really get a good size shield out of it is to have a lot of your health missing. Uh, and really, that's the only time where that that heal that's equal to 33% of your shield strength, it's only really a good heal in those situations where you're like really low on health, therefore you get a really big shield, therefore the heal is decent in that situation. If you're just missing like maybe half your health bar or something like that, uh, it's, it's really not going to amount to much and you're probably better off just casting a burst heal uh, rather than healing ward. It's probably going to uh, do better for you in that situation. Uh, so it's not, it's definitely not overpowered by any means, um, but it's better than it was before because the the last version was you would you would get a heal uh, for equal to the remaining shield strength when the shield expires. 
Uh, but the thing is, is, you know, by the time the shield expires, there's really no shield left anymore because people have been hitting you and it's basically gone. So hardly, hardly would you ever actually get that heal at the end, at least with this new change. Even if it's a weak heal, you actually are getting something out of it guaranteed as soon as you cast it. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, you know, the first iteration of this, it was a heal equal to 100% of the shield strength, and that was... Uh, way way too strong um, but I think 33% maybe isn't quite enough I think if maybe they bump that up to 40 maybe even 50% that might be the sweet spot um, but I don't know uh, we'll see maybe they really want it to only be a good heal in emergencies maybe that's the only time that they intend for this to be a really good heal is when you are almost dead uh, and in that case it is a decent heal in those situations and if that's their goal I think they've they've pretty much hit that right on the mark So next, let's talk about Werewolf. Uh, there's no there's no easy way to put it. Werewolves have been pretty heavily nerfed. I mean, they, um, I, I really kind of feel bad for them. So uh, well, let's just get into it. First of all, their light attacks do 17% less damage than before. If you've played a werewolf before, then you know it's all about the light attacks, right? Their light attacks are most, mostly where their damage comes from. Um, they've also received multiple cost increases, and I think Werewolf already kind of struggled with sustain, and now they're just going to struggle even more. Um, and also, and this is a big one too, uh, you have to choose the Berserker morph of the Werewolf transformation in order to get the bleed damage from light attacks, or AoE damage from heavy attacks. That's the only morph that gives you that now. It was in the base ability. If you're a Werewolf at all, your light attacks would deal bleed damage and your heavy attacks would deal AOE damage. Now, the base ability no longer does that and the pack leader morph no longer does that. You have to choose the berserker morph to get the bleed damage and the AOE damage from heavy attacks. Um, that's a massive nerf to, especially, especially of course, to the pack leader, uh, um, pack leader morph. Uh, that's probably just a morph that people aren't going to use at all anymore uh, because of that one change right there. Uh, on top of that, uh, with the pack leader morph, the pets are no longer targetable and cannot die, which may sound like a good thing, but actually in PvP, that is a very, very bad thing because those pets no longer can act as body blocks for a werewolf, which is the entire reason you even choose this morph at all, uh, is for those pets to absorb damage for you. Uh, that's not going to be possible anymore. Now, if somebody targets you, even if the pet is standing right in front of you, the attack is just going to go right through the pet, and it's going to hit you instead every single time. Um, so that, on top of the fact that with this morph, you no longer get bleed damage from your heavy attacks. Um, basically, in PvP, no question, no one's using this morph anymore. Uh, in PvE, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how viable Werewolf was to begin with in PvE. Um... It seems like it seems like even in PVE, this morph isn't going to be super great, even even there. Uh, I don't know. It feels kind of bad. I <clears throat> I've never really liked werewolves. Whenever I see them in battlegrounds, I always uh, I always make a point to focus them because honestly, they're often a pretty easy target. You you usually just have to keep up the the crowd control on them for a little bit, and uh, their sustain runs out really fast, and and they're easy pickings from there. Um, now I think they're just going to be even an even easier target uh, than they were before. And already, 
even before this change, you know, uh, when you get into like higher MMR death matches, you really stop seeing werewolves uh, because it, you know, werewolves are werewolves are a terror to like lower level players or inexperienced players. They really can put uh, put out a lot of pressure and put out a lot of damage. Uh, and if you're new to PvP or you're just kind of a low level player, uh, they can be formidable and they can be really really hard to deal with. Um, but as you get up uh, into higher MMR matches and you're playing against you know more and more skilled players. Uh, werewolf becomes less and less effective in those situations to the point where you really don't see them at all uh, in those kinds of matches, even before this patch. Um, and, and now you just don't see them ever. You 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 never see werewolves. Uh, this past week, I saw maybe two or three werewolves out of you know dozens and dozens of death matches, uh, and and those few werewolves you were not. We're not doing super great, quite honestly. They were, um, they were, they were not doing super great. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I, I feel bad. Uh, I feel bad for werewolves. Is as much as I have always kind of, like I said, made a point to to target them, uh, and I, I just have never really liked werewolves. I can't help but feel some sympathy here for for people who do like to play werewolf. Uh, this play style is absolutely being gutted, and. You know, it seems like not even a year ago they were actually made good for, like, the first time ever. You know, werewolves haven't even been that good for very long. We They just now kind of got there. And it seems like this is, like, a couple of giant steps backwards uh, as far as their effectiveness goes. So that's a bummer. Uh, I do feel bad for you werewolf people out there. Um, vampire... No super exciting changes. Uh, a little bit of a buff to the bat swarm, uh, a cost reduction and a damage increase. Uh, Mist form also gets a cost reduction, which I don't think it it needed that. I've definitely been seeing a lot more mist form this week for sure. It's super freaking annoying to deal with because you just can't lay a hand on anyone. Um, I don't know, but in general, I, I feel like Vampire could use uh, a rework. So it needs to be like revitalized somewhat because it's just kind of a boring skill line. Mist Form is really the only interesting skill. I mean, Bat Swarm, the Bat Swarm Ultimate is pretty good, um, but I think there are other better ultimates, honestly. Um, Mist Form is really only the only good active skill, in my opinion. And they have a couple of decent passives as, as well, but in, in general... It just seems dull, and there's not a lot of great reasons. Really, the only reason people want to be a vampire, outside of like RP reasons, is for mist form. They they really just want the mist form. Fighters Guild, uh, Circle of Protection, the Turn Undead morph, of course, now uh, is called Turn Turn Evil, and it fears anyone, not just undead. Uh, and definitely, we see a lot of fear in battlegrounds here lately. There is a ton, a ton of fear everywhere. You turn, you turn around a corner, and your character is feared left and right. This steals a little bit of identity from Nightblades and Werewolves as well, because this was a CC ability that was kind of unique to them up to this point. Uh, now everybody has access to it. Uh, everyone can uh, can can use fear. Uh, and I haven't seen really people use the new Silver Bolts, which is now a ranged spammable ability. I have not really seen that used much, but it seems like a good option for like someone who wants to be a pure archer. Uh, it seems like it, it could be a really cool spammable, and it even like fits with that thematically. You know, if you're an archer, 
you know, you, using a crossbow as one of your things like fits with that, you know. Um, so I don't know. I might try to play around with that. I have a stamina warden that I haven't really played with much, but uh, the whole idea with that character was to be a, a bow only uh, build. Uh, so I might try to put this ability on there as my main spammable and, uh, and and see how that goes. Seems like it could be all right. Uh, Mage's Guild Entropy is the big change there. Of course, we talked about it last time. It's a very, very strong dot now, and it's everywhere. Uh, people, Magicka builds are using this all over the place. It's in pretty much almost every single one of my death recaps. I see uh, Entropy and Soul Trap in pretty much all of them. Um, Nah, it's just it's just the meta we live in right now. <laughs> That's just how it's going to be. Uh, and uh, the change to Calatrops, uh, actually, I think, has been pretty good for me. Uh, of course, it's one of those AoE abilities that have been nerfed this patch. It's, a, it's an AoE dot, so the damage has been nerfed. The cost has been increased, for sure. Um, but it applies Fracture to anyone that it hits. Uh, this has been really great for uh, PvP team play. We come up on a group, I toss uh, my Caltrops uh, on top of that group. Everyone in that team has now been uh, now has major fracture on them, and so the rest of my team comes in and has just a little bit easier time uh, actually taking them out. Uh, plus, it's of course slowing them down and dealing some damage. And even though the damage is less, it's still you know it's still damage, and it's it's not nothing. Uh, so in general, I think Caltrops is still a very good skill to use, especially in PvP. Uh, PvE, totally different story. The, the tank is already giving the boss the fracture, so it's a bit of a waste in that regard. Uh, but in PvP, man, just being able to apply fracture to an entire area is, is fantastic. It's really nice. So on to Dragon Knight. Uh, Dragon Knight have received a pretty major sustain buff. Um, so uh, for one, Searing Heat. Their Searing Heat passive. This passive now increases the duration of uh, the affected abilities by 4 seconds up from 2 seconds. It also increases the damage of those abilities by 10% instead of 3%. Um, that's going to have a pretty big effect uh, on, on a DK sustain just because the longer these skills last, the less frequently they're going to have to recast these skills, which means, you know, better sustain. Plus they're dealing more damage as well. It's really nice. Um, and then the big one, uh, Combustion. The Combustion passive decreases the cooldown to uh, two seconds instead of five seconds. So combustion. Whenever you deal, whenever you apply uh, the burning status effect, you get 500 magicka back, and whenever you apply poison, you get 500 stamina back. That was every five seconds. Now that happens every two seconds, and you know, um, recovery is measured in two second in increments, right? So if you have say uh, 1,000 magicka recovery, just as an easy number to work with, that means that you restore 1,000 Magicka every two seconds. Um, so this is effectively, like while you're in combat, this is effectively a 500 recovery buff. Very, very nice. Really strong uh, recovery buff. Uh, on top of your abilities just lasting longer as well. Um, I've been playing a lot of Stam DK this week. It's been kind of the my character that I've been sort of playing with the most lately. Uh, and I can absolutely tell that uh, my sustain is way better 
plus Rally now has Minor Endurance, uh, so that that's not a DK thing I know, but it's just my character uses that skill. So that, on top of all of this, I was actually able to um, increase my weapon damage, get rid of some of my uh, my stamina recovery because I don't need it as much now. Because due to this passive and the change to rally, that more than compensates for that uh, for that recovery that I'm giving up in favor of damage. Um, so my damage has gone up and my sustain has gone up at the same time, just overnight with this one patch. Uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, and just real quick about the Corrosive Armor Ultimate, uh, the penetration that you get from that no longer applies to dots. It only applies to the ability itself and then any direct damage attacks that you do after that. Um, and Onslaught is the same way. Uh, we talked about Onslaught earlier. It, it gives you that massive penetration buff, just like Corrosive here does. Um, but that, that penetration only applies to direct damage attacks. Uh, so no dots or anything like that. Still super strong though. Let's talk a little bit about Nightblades. So in general, man, right now Nightblade just kind of feels weird. Um, it just, my, my whole idea of what a Nightblade is seems to be thrown, thrown out the window. Uh, we're definitely seeing a lot more tanky brawler blades. Of course, we're still seeing just as many annoying uh, stealth gankers as we always have. They still absolutely have that option of gameplay, just like always. That has not been taken away. Um, but they've been given new tools to, to build themselves differently in more of a brawler, tanky kind of way as well. Um, and it's just strange. It's strange to see these tanky night blades that like look all like you know, shadowy and roguish and everything, uh, but they're like all up in the fray and, you know, playing, playing kind of like the way a Dragon Knight plays, you know, uh, it's a de definitely a new thing. Um, and I don't know how I feel about it. I have a Stamina Nightblade uh, and he, he was like a rogue typical kind of ganker type, uh, type of setup. Um, I have been thinking about trying to turning turning him into more of a tanky brawler type of build because of some of these changes that have happened recently. Just haven't got around to doing it yet, but I've seen a lot of them out there. And Nightblades, I don't know. I think they're in a good spot. It just seems weird, is all. Uh, and the fact that they can have all this tankiness and everything, and also turn invisible, seems maybe a little unfair. But I don't know. At the same time, I'm not really seeing a ton of Nightblades like at the top of the scoreboards really either. So I guess I guess there's not much to complain about there. Um, it's you know it's just it just seems weird. It's just like I have to I have to uh, rethink how what I think a nightblade is. You know it's not really exactly what they used to be. Uh, still super annoying. Just the fact that they can turn invisible triggers me quite a bit. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, the sorcerer. So this is a big change in my opinion. A pretty negative change. Uh, surge. Uh, the Power Surge Morph now uh, grants its healing up to six targets, so not just yourself. Um, and it triggers off of critical heals rather than critical damage. And the cooldown is three seconds instead of one second. <laughs> so, man, it just, it just like never ends. It's like, yeah, we just destroyed this ability. <laughs> and um, I think their intention is they want to make this a, a, a specifically a healer ability. If you're a sorcerer healer, this is maybe an ability that you would use. But what we're seeing, like you, you look at like some of these content creators that have their updated builds and stuff now. Like you go to uh, say like Alcast's website and look at his sorcerer healer build. This skill isn't slotted. 
you know, and for them to just straight up take this this staple skill away from Magsorks, a skill that is like guaranteed on every Magsorks bar, pretty much, for them to just straight up rip it away from them um, to give it to, you know, specifically sorcerer healers. You know, it needs to be a really, really good change. It needs to be a skill where if you're a Magicka Sorcerer, this skill is too good not to use uh, in order to justify this change. Um, it's a real bummer. I uh, I, uh, I really wish this change hasn't hadn't been made. I feel like Surge is one of the few abilities that Sorcerer has that actually is a well-balanced, well-designed skill that was just where it needed to be. I don't think this was the sorcerer ability that that people were having a hard time with. You know, they have other other abilities that definitely need to be looked at, but I just, I don't think this is one of them. Um, I think the obvious fix here, and what what a lot of people have been suggesting is, okay, just give major sorcery to critical surge, right? And it'll give you uh, it'll give you weapon damage and spell damage. So either mag sork or stamp sork can choose that uh, choose that morph and get the same functionality that they've been getting out of it all along uh, and then basically just no one will use power surge ever <laughs> and that'll, that that uh, morph will just die I think probably uh, it's probably not the biggest deal in the world I mean uh, with the changes to entropy that being such a strong dot uh, and it being a 28 meter range and it gives you a heal over time uh, that ability you know, it serves a lot of the same purpose uh, that Surge had had filled. Uh, so I think a lot of sorcerers are just going to be slotting that, and it's going to be problem solved. Uh, or they could even slot this and then uh, and then uh, use Critical Surge, the the stamina morph of that, um, to still get that same sort of functionality that they're used to having, and they will still get their major sorcery from Entropy. Um, so it's not like Sorks are out of options. Uh, there still is a way to make that kind of setup work. Um, it's just annoying. It's just annoying to take this staple skill away from sorcerers, from from like damage focused sorcerers, and and not make it good enough for the people that you made this for to even want to use it. Uh, so I I hope they continue to look at that. Really, I hope they just revert it back to the way it was. If they're not going to do that, they need to make power surge better. They need to make it a stronger heal. Uh, and they need to give major sorcery to critical surge. I think everyone's going to be happy if they do those things. Uh, there's really going to be no cause for complaints there. So the changes to the new uh, Eclipse, the Templar ability Eclipse, is probably my least favorite change in this patch. Um, although I know a lot of Templars are really enjoying it, but like I was saying before, Templars are so super strong this patch. Uh, of course, they're gonna they're gonna like this because it's just one more amazing tool they have now. Um, so we already talked about the unstable core morph last time, and uh, we spent quite a bit of time on that. And it is, as expected, an extremely strong ability. Um, but I think at the time, but you know, before we really all had a chance to actually get in there and test these abilities out. I think that the um, the Living Dark morph it was called Total Total Dark before. Now they renamed it Living Dark. Uh, that morph I think was receiving less attention during PTS, uh, and now that it's live, we're seeing that actually the Living Dark morph is maybe the one to be more concerned about. Um, it's very very strong. It's a very good skill unless unless you're not a Templar. 
Um, so just as a reminder, this ability now, you cast it on yourself. Uh, you now envelop yourself in darkness for four seconds, uh, which protects you uh, anytime an enemy hits you with a direct damage attack. Uh, and they are immobilized for three seconds, and you are healed when that happens. Um, this says four seconds, but I believe there's a Templar passive that increases that up to, up to six seconds. Um, so it's a six-second thing, actually. Um, so you cast this on yourself. Anytime somebody hits you, they get immobilized and you get a heal out of it. So what Templars are doing is they're pairing this skill, Living Dark, up with uh, Race Against Time uh, from the Sigic uh, skill line. Uh, and so say you're fighting a Templar and say maybe you're getting the upper hand and, and the Templar sees like, okay, this is a losing fight. I need to get out of here. Um, well, what they do is they pop Living Dark on themselves uh, which the next time you attack them, you're going to get immobilized and they're going to get healed. Uh, and then they use race against time for the snare immunity and the movement speed to just run away. Um, and you, if you try to chase them, if you try to hit them with any kind of CC or anything like that, um, you're going to get immobilized. Uh, and they're just going to keep speeding away with their snare immunity and their major expedition and their bubble that heals them and immobilizes you every single time you touch them. Um, so they're basically just not touchable uh, when, when they do that. Uh, on top of that, this also immobilizes people passively when the Templar doesn't even mean to do it. Anytime they take any kind of damage from you, it's, it's guaranteed to mobilize you if you're not on cooldown. Uh, so say you just have, say like you put some caltrops on the ground uh, and the Templar has this bubble on themselves and they just walk through that caltrops you know, they don't even know that you exist, but still you're getting immobilized passively because they took damage from your caltrops. Uh, and it happens constantly. If there's if there's a Templar on an enemy team in a battleground, you're basically getting immobilized on cooldown constantly because they're keeping that bubble up uh, and it just keeps happening because just any, any passive damage you throw out just triggers this thing. Um, and it really takes a toll on your stamina pool quite a bit. Um, it's really, really annoying. Uh, I don't know. I have a feeling that it's probably not going to get changed because the Necromancer, that ability that automatically pulls people in when you damage them with it, you know, that ability exists as well. And so, uh, and it basically has the same problem, although that one's even worse because it actually is a hard CC and it pulls you into groups and stuff where you just have no chance of surviving. Um, so yeah, if you have a Necromancer with that ability and a, and a Templar with their bubble, uh, both of those players on enemy teams, man, you're getting like automatically CC'd basically on cooldown constantly, uh, and they're not even intentionally doing it. You know, they're just they just exist in the battleground, and this is just constantly happening to you. Uh, it's really annoying, really really annoying. I'm not a fan of this kind of ability where this stuff just automatically procs passively and the person who casts the ability there's no intentionality on their part whatsoever uh, very very frustrating and this one change that i feel like has completely undone all the work that they've done to make movement speed in pvp feel better over the last several patches they've been making a lot of efforts to make movement speed in pvp feel better because there's been a lot of complaints about that uh, and honestly, I think they've been doing a good job at that, and movement speed has finally gotten to a point where it, it feels pretty good. But then this one change 
basically completely undoes it because you're being immobilized on cooldown pretty much constantly if there's a Templar anywhere around. And Templar is the new meta right now. Templars are everywhere. Uh, so that means there's multiple people wearing this most of the time. Uh, so it's bad. I don't. I don't like it at all. Uh, I hope they. I hope they change it. Um, maybe only proc off of direct damage. I think maybe if it only procs off of direct damage only, that might be the fix. Where it's still effective for those situations where the Templar just wants to get out of a situation and it's going to help them run away. Um, but there's not going to be so much of this passive, just people being immobilized by accident all the time. Uh, it's really frustrating. So I think that's the easy change. Just make it proc off of direct damage only. Uh, and I think we're, we're good with this skill. Still a very strong skill. Uh, and then uh, I just want to repeat. I know I mentioned this last time, but I'm just really pumped about it. Cleansing Ritual got a 95% buff. It heals for 95% more than it used to. And it was already a super strong skill. It's just even stronger now. And of course, uh, a couple of patches ago, they made it so that it scales off of your stamina stats or Magicka stats. So it's super strong for both uh, Magicka Templars and Stamina Templars. Really pumped about Cleansing Ritual. Yet another example of why Templars are so very strong this patch. Uh, this is already a skill that they're using no matter what because of the super strong cleanse. Uh, so a skill that they were already using is now twice as good, basically. <laughs> um, so be a Templar this patch. <laughs> be a Templar. Uh, nothing major for Warden. They just kind of rework some numbers. No major, like, reinventing of skills or anything like that. No major nerfs or buffs. Uh, I think, I think they've been pretty happy with Warden for a while now, and I don't, I don't really expect to see any major changes coming. Uh, Wardens are still extremely strong in PvP. Very, very strong. Um, especially in group play. They're, they're very good for groups. Uh, and but Necromancer has gotten a couple of changes. So their siphoning abilities, their shocking siphon and restoring tether, those abilities that like have these tethers with uh, with corpses. So those abilities are now free to cast, and they now scale off of your highest offensive stats, either magicka or stamina. Um, so uh, you know now stamina necromancers have the option of using these, and they don't cost anything to cast. And the thing is, is necromancer. One of the biggest pain points for a Necromancer is their sustain. Uh, people have been complaining that sustain feels really bad on Necro. Uh, this could be the change that was needed to make sustain feel okay on the uh, on those um, on this class. Um, and the fact that stamina players now have the uh, the option to use these uh, abilities as well. It's just stronger class identity. Uh, I think it's absolutely a good thing. Um, I still haven't seen. A ton of Necromancers this week, but it's only been a week. Uh, I think maybe as people have more time to figure stuff out and get their builds figured out, that we, we may start seeing more Necromancers, because I feel like this is this is definitely going to have a positive effect on just how good it feels to play uh, a Necromancer. I think the fact that they're free to cast, I think it's probably okay, given how limited these abilities are. You have to be within range of these corpses in order to use them, you know, and line of sight breaks that tether as well. So they're already just difficult abilities to use. Um, I think I think the free cast is maybe what was needed to make these abilities feel worthwhile and feel rewarding. Uh, you maybe maybe won't get so frustrated in these situations where your line of sight is breaking your beam or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think I think that could be good. I'm I'm interested to see what what players do with that. 
I, I definitely do expect to see more tanky necros. I think this is going to uh, help like a stamina focused like tank necro um, do what they do even better. Uh, and necros are all, were already quite tanky. I would say that was their one strongest point is it's very easy for a necromancer to be quite tanky. Uh, and I think that's going to be even more so the case now. I think that's just about all I wanted to talk about. Um, in general, healing is a lot different. Dots are a lot stronger, maybe too strong. Uh, I really hope they tone those down in a future patch. But if they don't, uh, I do want to remind everyone that everybody has easy access to a cleanse. Uh, in the Alliance War, the um, support skill line, there's a skill in there called Purge, uh, which it costs 7,000 magic. It's pretty expensive, but it has a morph called Efficient Purge, which takes it down to uh, 4.8 magicka, um, and uh, which is still kind of expensive. But when you compare that, say, to the Templar's Extended Ritual, uh, that costs 4.1k uh, magicka. So it's really not that much more expensive than the best cleanse in the game. It's in that same ballpark, and it's a pretty comparable skill. Um, you know, when you when you cast efficient purge, it automatically cleanses your teammates right away. Uh, not even extended ritual does that. You know, when a Templar puts ritual on the ground, they cleanse themselves, and then their teammates have the option to activate a synergy to cleanse themselves. Um, but with the uh, support skill here, efficient purge, they just get cleansed when you cl right when you cast it. And I think it removes three abilities. Pretty sure. Double check. Yep, three abilities uh, that just instantly gets removed from them. And 4.8 uh, thousand magicka, it's expensive, like I said, but it's really not prohibitively expensive. And even uh, a stamina build could pull that off. I mean, stamina Templars use extended ritual 4.1k uh, all the time, and they make that work no problem. Um, so 4.8 is doable, especially if you're not using many other skills that, uh, that use magicka. Um, so that's a that's a great option. If you're a magicka build, it's a no-brainer. I would I would find try to find a way to slot this if you're not a Templar, and uh, it's going to make life uh, a lot easier in PvP. You get a few bad effects on you, uh, cast this thing really quick, they're gone, and you can you can heal up and get back in the fight. But all in all, I've been having fun this week. I think I'm still going to continue to have fun. I have 10 different characters to get through to kind of finish my tweaks on and figure out how they're going to be built now in the in the new situation here. So uh, it'll take me a little bit of time to get everything sorted out. And then by then, I'm sure there will be a whole other batch of changes and we'll start it all over again. And the cycle continues. Um but that's okay. This is the fun part for me. I really enjoy theory crafting. I enjoy having just a bunch of new elements to play with to, uh, to figure out how to make my characters effective again in this new, uh, this new meta. So I'm looking forward to things. I've been having a good time, like I said. And so far from what I can tell, PvP is still fun. PvE is still fun. Um, there are a few frustrations. The, some of the ch changes to Templar are you know particularly frustrating. Um, so, you know, of course, not everything's perfect. Uh, there's definitely criticisms to be made. Uh, but at the same time, there's also still plenty of fun to be had as well. And most of the pain points aren't so severe that I'm not having a good time, you know. 
Um, so that's where we're at. And I think that's going to be the end of the episode. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. touch with me feel free to send me an email at ketsparrowhawk at gmail.com or look me up on twitter at ketsparrowhawk.com